gospel, if you will turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Today we're going to talk about dogs and pigs. You ready? You know, um, today we're just going to look at verse 6. And verse 6 sits on the five verses that we talked about last week. And so I'm going to start reading, and I'm going to read the first six verses of Matthew chapter 7. Ready? Do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, or assume the office of a judge, that remember that means to give a sentence to somebody, to condemn somebody. In the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the speck out of your, the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Verse 6, do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now that's an interesting verse, isn't it? The whole Sermon on the Mount is predicated on a clear understanding of the distinction between true religion and false religion. The Pharisees were very involved in false religion because it was a self-made, self-centered religion. That is not true faith in Christ. And so what Jesus is dealing with through the whole Sermon on the Mount is the difference between hypocrisy and reality. So the scribes and the Pharisees were the existing religious influence of this time. The Lord gives truths that contrast the views of the scribes and Pharisees. And so when Jesus is speaking something here, he's talking to his disciples, but it's in stark contrast to what the scribes and Pharisees are thinking and teaching and demanding in their religious system. Um, I have new glasses. They're not balanced right. And I keep wanting to hold them like this so I can see to read. So if I do weird things, don't worry about it. I'm just waiting to get down there tomorrow and let them do this okay so the lord's giving these contrasts here and they denied the word of god they have established their own set of laws and scriptures and they were convinced that they were better than everybody else that they were more righteous they were superior that they had everything that they needed that god ought to be pleased with and so one of the results of that was that they became very condemning and finger-pointing and judgmental. And they were treating everybody else like that because nobody else was ever good enough to suit them because nobody was as good as they thought they were. And so that's the kind of situation that Jesus is addressing here. And, and so they are, they've criticized everybody who didn't come up to their own standard. And all of their confidence was in their own self-righteousness. So whenever you hear the word Pharisee, 
then you can think of self-righteousness, okay? Because that's the, that's the ground that they stand on. So they were characterized by this judgmental, condemning attitude because they were saying that nobody else was as good as they. And so Jesus begins this section with what? Don't judge. Or I think the literal translation may be stop judging. And so the Lord is not condemning courts of law. Now we talked about this last week, but just to grab up the reins from last week, remember that some people take this verse out of context and say we're not supposed to have any courts of law. We don't, know, we don't need to pass judgment on anybody about anything. We just need to let everybody go and do whatever they want to do and not say a word. That is not what Jesus is saying. And when you hold it up to the whole counsel of God, it is easy to see that. So the Lord is not condemning courts of law. The Bible actually instituted those courts of law. So the principle of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is based upon a law court. And that was given for the law courts so that they would understand the concept of the punishment matching the crime. Okay? So Romans 13 affirms the right for a nation to rule its people. So be sure that you understand and grasp that when he says don't judge, that's not what he's talking about. Remember that he's talking about the scribes and Pharisees. He's talking about that attitude. So the Bible is not condemning every kind of judging. It does not do that. You can see it all over from cover to cover in the Bible. It is not condemning every kind of discriminating between right and wrong. So the Bible tells believers that we must discern, that we are to judge between truth and error and between good and evil. So we are to discern, we are to evaluate, and we're not to just do it on the basis of our own opinion. We are to do it on the basis of the word of God. So we're not doing it. The word of God that is the standard is doing that. So there are things that we as believers in this world must judge. Especially if we're interested in kingdom, bringing the kingdom to the earth, bringing kingdom rules and kingdom principles to everyday life. So what Jesus is talking about here is this judgmental, critical, condemning, self-righteous ego. Now get that in your mind. We may know people like that. Judgmental, condemning, self-righteous ego. And on the basis of that, the Pharisees were passing judgment on everybody else. So they were not condemning and criticizing sin. They were condemning and criticizing people for not being like them. And for doing what they said. So... They were condemning and criticizing them because of their personality. Uh, they just didn't like them because of their weaknesses, because the way they looked, uh, the way they dressed, or for the fact that they just didn't do things the way the Pharisees did. Now, we've all been maybe had some experience with that when maybe somebody just doesn't like you and condemns you because of what your name is or because you hold a political office 
And so it, but it's not anything that's based on God's word. Do you see the difference? So if you've got this, I'm going to move on. If you don't, shake your head no, we're going to do it again. Okay? So that's the difference here. And so they were judging their motives. They were judging the hearts of other people. Does anybody know your heart besides God? Can you sometimes do something that your heart is really right before the Lord other people don't like what you did, so they don't like you, and they judge and condemn you without considering your heart, your heart before the Lord. And so that's what they were doing. And so they were judging the hearts of people and the motives of people. They didn't have any idea. They had no way of knowing what was in a person's heart. So let's understand that the Lord is not saying that we should have this soft, false love for everybody and never judge anything. Mm -mm. You don't find that anywhere in Scripture. And so Scripture tells us that to allow a brother to sin and not try to correct it is to not love him. And so love is what demands repentance. So when we really love somebody, we're going to be concerned that they are right with the Lord. And so Jesus is not talking about those kinds of things when he says do not judge basically what he's saying is stop criticizing stop having a critical spirit stop yanging about everything everybody else does stop thinking that nothing's ever enough that somebody tries to do for you stop being a victim and thinking everybody else is supposed to make you feel good and so that's the kind of thing that jesus is dealing with so we're not to judge people's motives we're not to condemn them just because we don't like them or just because they don't dress the way we would dress or just because they don't look like the way we want them to look. And so we're not to make hasty judgments. We're not to make undeserved judgments. Um, the Bible for, forbids us from making vengeful judgments. I guess one of the things that I have seen a lot of times in my life, and maybe you have too, is that maybe people don't like what you did, but then they just assume that they know why you did it. But they never ask any questions. They never get the details. They never ask what was really going on that made this the manifestation of what was happening. So that's the kind of thing Jesus is talking about here. So we're not to set up human extra-biblical standards and judge when people don't meet our criteria. This word of God is the criteria. So where is it written is always the right question. Okay? And so we are not to be unmerciful. Because remember in the Beatitudes, what are, what are they? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn over their sin, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Those who've been broken like a horse. Remember, we did our lesson on meekness. You know, for they shall inherit the earth. And then he goes on and then he talks about being merciful. And so God is merciful. He's the most merciful living thing that ever has been or ever will be. And that's what he's calling on us for. But we are not to take the attitude, well, well we just don't want to, we don't want to judge him. Uh-uh. Maybe the best thing you need to do is just take that to the Lord in prayer, but you don't leave it alone. And so 
we don't want to say, have you heard this one? Well, we don't want to get anybody upset. God's upset. Okay? Or we just want to love everybody. That is not biblical, and that is not what Jesus is talking about. Okay? So, we are to discern, and we are to discriminate. And now we get to verse 6. And that's where he says, Do not give what is holy to dogs. Now, who were the dogs? If you don't make some kind of discrimination, if you don't make some kind of judgment, how do you know who the dog, dogs and pigs are? Okay? In verse 6. So, understand that these dogs were not the clean, dressed-up lap dogs <laughs> that people have today. That's not these dogs. In biblical days, they did have dogs that worked flocks, but except for those dogs, they were mostly mongrels. They were ugly. They ran in groups. They scavenged. They ate garbage. They would even eat people. And so they were horrible, and they were ugly, and they were wild, and the Jews saw those dogs as unclean. So he's not just talking about your pet dog. All right. So what happened was when people went to the temple to make a sacrifice to the Lord, they would divide that sacrifice. And one part of the sacrifice would go on the altar. One part would go to the priest for his meal. And another part would be taken home. And so the part on the altar was for God and it would be completely consumed. Well, the priest might take their leftovers or bones and throw them out so that the dogs could eat them. But a priest would never, never take any part of the sacrifice that was offered to God and throw it to the dogs. It had to be completely consumed on the altar. And so it would have been a horrible desecration to anything that was holy for the priest to do that. And that's what Jesus is talking about. So he says, anybody knows that you don't throw the holy part of a sacrifice to a bunch of grungy wild dogs. And so what he's doing is he's, the, he's showing us the difference between that which is profane and that which is holy. And so he's saying, look, be discerning. Now, some are going to respond to your ministry and your efforts but don't waste precious truths on those who are going to tear it apart and give no thought to its significance. There's a right time to say nothing. Okay? And you will know what that time is. But dogs were... They were these dogs, and when Jesus is talking about these dogs, they're, they were eating people. There's, there's scriptural reference to that. Uh, remember when Jezebel fell out the window and the dog came and ate her ate her body and then to be eaten by a dog was considered to be a curse and so they were these vile mongrels and so first Jesus talks about dogs and he says you know what there are people like this in the world is what he's saying there are people who have that attitude and he's saying, you need to be discerning between those and righteousness. Then he goes on and talks about swine. 
And what does he say? He says, verse 6, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine. And I find this very interesting. Lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Um, Don't give what is holy to dogs and don't throw pearls to pigs. Why? They will trample them and then turn on you. Now, like dogs, pigs in those days were not domesticated. Um, do any of y'all have a pig for a pet? There are people who have pigs for pets that are letting them live in their houses with them. Okay. You know, and so what's he saying? He, he's saying the nature of a pig is that if you aggravate him, he's going to turn on you and trample you. I tried to read about that because um, pearls were priceless in these days. I mean, you couldn't have a pearl necklace. In the, there was, you, you had to sell everything to get a pearl in those days. And so what he seems to be describing here is that if you pretend to feed a pig and you throw him a pearl, you throw him something wonderful, and he thinks it's going to be a piece of food, a piece of fig, pig food, pig food, then if he's disappointed, he might attack you. Now, think about this. If this pig is a pig-like person and you give this person something very, very valuable, something very precious, like a pearl, and he doesn't like it, then he's going to attack you. You may have had that happen sometime. So what's he, what's he telling us? Um, simply, hogs don't appreciate pearls, you know. Um, so what is this all about? What's he telling us? We have to learn to be discriminating. And he's saying, don't waste things on those who don't appreciate them. Now, he's not just talking about tangible things. What he's really talking about here is the gospel message and the word of God. Now, you know, there are just some people that don't want to hear it, not ready to hear it. And if you ever try to give them a precious piece of it. <gasps> so that's why he's saying here, you need to be discriminating because there's a time when you just need to keep your mouth shut. And let whatever the Holy Spirit is doing through you, whether they're good works whether it's gentleness, kindness, patience, goodness, the fruit of the Spirit, whatever those things are, let the Lord use them if he will. And so we learn to not waste precious truths on people who are going to trample them. And there's a sense in which that is um, <clears throat> not the right thing for us to do to God because it's such a precious treasure, we don't want to put it in a position where it will get trampled. You know, if you have a pearl that's precious to you, you don't want to put it in a place where it's going to be abused and misused, even though your intentions are good. You know, so bottom line is, we can get really excited about evangelism. We can get really excited about giving somebody the truth. We can get really excited about giving somebody the word of God. And we swamp them with it. We try to cram it down their throats. It's going to come back on us in a negative way. Because they weren't ready for it. Uh, think about some scriptures with me. Paul said to the Corinthians, I could not speak unto you certain things because you were carnal. 
I couldn't waste them on your misunderstandings and your sinfulness. Remember that the Corinthians were still needing to be fed milk. You know, and the picture was you're not going to take an infant and feed him some kind of wonderful prime rib when all he can take is milk. So that's what's calling on us to be discriminating and discerning about what does this person really need to be fed? What really needs to be said to this person? Or does anything need to be said? Maybe just a blessing. Maybe just a kindness is where this person is that the Lord is going to use to bring them to his kingdom. And then there was another place where Jesus told his disciples that he could only reveal certain things to them. Remember that one? That he had to hide certain things. And, you know, Jesus didn't say everything to everybody. Uh, that's kind of interesting because um, two things about this. When Jesus rose from the dead, he never once, never once appeared to an unbeliever. All of the appearances of Jesus after the resurrection were to people who were already believers. That's interesting. But also, um, think about the fact that before Herod Antipas, Jesus never spoke a word in all of his trials, okay, before he was crucified. So, think about the fact that hogs... Where, where demons chose to reside in Matthew chapter 8. Now again, this is a time in history, okay? So we're not going to get freaked out over if hogs today are demon-possessed, especially those living in your house. Um, you know, but hogs are, hogs are okay, pigs today. Jesus is making an example here to what these people and this culture knew or believed hogs to be. And in with that belief, then Jesus used that. If you want to read about it, it's in Matthew 8 where, where the demons were residing in the pigs and Jesus came along and cast them. When the Jesus came, the hogs all ran and jumped off a cliff. What did they do? They did something. Drown? Okay. Jumped off and drowned. And so... Um, the Jews saw pigs as filthy, as unclean animals. And so the prodigal son went to the pit of Jewish culture when he chose to live and eat with a pig. So all of this, all of this is against the background of, this, of the culture, of the context of the verses. In Isaiah, it says that the eating of hog's flesh is an abomination to God. Now, who had tenderloin for breakfast? If I'd had some, I would have had it. Okay, so the question is, who are these dogs, dogs and hogs? How are we going to do this? Well, if you've got your Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, and let me show you something. <clears throat> That's right. You know, there's a place, and, and even in the life of Jesus, where there's just no point to speak to somebody. You know, their hearts are hardened. But we, don't, we can't know that because we can't judge a person's heart. The only way we can know that is by being open to the Holy Spirit and following his guidance. And is he saying for me to speak to this person, or is he saying for me to leave it alone? Look at Second Peter chapter 2. 
But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who, brought, who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And many will follow their sensuality. Now that's an interesting word. Sensuality in this New American Standard Bible, uh, I think King James may say something like pernicious ways. Um, not sure there what's in uh, the King James Bible, but the word literally in the original language is lasciviousness. We see that word in other places in the New Testament, and that's really what the word is here. And the word lasciviousness denotes indecency and absence of any kind of restraint. So they're just, it's shameless conduct is what it is. So it's those people who are past feeling any guilt. And so that's what he's talking about here. So those who are past feeling guilt. Now we could read this whole chapter, just thumb down through it a little bit. Um, you know, he, he uses illustrations through here. Uh, verse 2, and many will follow their lasciviousness, and because of them the way of truth will be maligned. See, it's messing up the message of the gospel. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For since God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and since he did not spare the anxious world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, and since he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live uh, ungodly thereafter, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day with their lawless deeds, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority, daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like, here you go, unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling what they have no knowledge will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong, they count it as a, a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions, and they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way they've gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for a dumb donkey speaking with a voice of man restrained the madness of the prophet. These are springs without water, misdriven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has not has been reserved, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, there's that word, those who barely escape from the ones who live in terror, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man 
is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For it, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled them in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment delivered them. Now watch it. Verse 22. Here it is. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire what's he saying their nature has not ever changed their nature hasn't changed a pig has the nature of a pig okay these wild dogs that he's talking about had the nature of wild dogs. And so when your nature doesn't change, even if you act better for a while, you're going to return to doing that again. And so that's what he's talking about here. They turned away from the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And so you can take one of these dogs that he's talking about, people, and he's really talking about people. You can take one of these off the street, bring him in, change his diet, and he's going to go right back to what he was unless his nature has been changed you can take a pig you can let him live in your house but you turn that pig loose and what's he gonna do go right back to the mud so hogs and dogs are those who are having known the truth chose the way of false teachers false prophets liars and deceivers they're there. They're there because they want to be there. And you need to be careful and discerning about proclaiming any of God's truth to them because they will trample it and may turn on you because of it. When people willfully turn their backs on God's truth, then we should not allow them to trample it. Just don't put it out there. Just don't put it out there. Now, look, this is a hard word. I know this is a hard word. But it's coming out of the mouth of Jesus. And Jesus never slacked off from being hard, did he? I mean, he's going to tell it like it is. And so we have to be so dependent on the Lord to show us. Um, we won't turn there because we're running out of time. But in Matthew 10, chapter 14, you're right, maybe right there at it. Remember when Jesus told the disciples when he sent them out, he said, when you uh, get to their house... And they don't hear your message, leave. Shake the dust off your feet. Okay? Jesus was patient with Peter. He was patient with Thomas. But he didn't say a word to Herod. Okay? What was he doing? He was being discerning. And so when Paul went to give the gospel to the Jews, they mocked him, they rejected him, and they blasphemed him. And Paul said, your blood be on you. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. So there are times to be careful. There are times to judge, to be discerning, to be discriminating. But they must be careful, proper, humble, righteous judgments. And we must deal with sin without being judgmental and critical. We don't point fingers at people because of sin. Because we've been there and done that. And we know what it is to be a sinner. So what are we going to do? We're going to hold out a hand. 
we've got to be able to discern between dogs and swine and holiness. So when it becomes apparent that the gospel is not welcome, move on. Move on. We can't cram the gospel down people's throats. Their salvation is not based on us. We are to offer food to the hungry. It is up to the Holy Spirit to convict them and them to decide what they're going to do with it. And it won't be because of us. It won't be of our fault if they don't. Hmm, that's hard. I'm glad that one's over with.